You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So I think today is going to be a little bit short. I've got a few things I want to talk about. It really just depends how much I feel like rambling. This is either going to be 15 minutes or an hour and 15 minutes. I don't know. But I'm thinking it's going to be kind of short. We talked about the Jets pretty extensively. We talked about the Packers all week long. I do want to keep today kind of positive, and I, I think... Something you probably have already heard, but if not, I want to give a very positive story that kind of touches me deeply, because it uh, reminds me a little bit of me, but anyways, want to talk about that. I want to talk a little bit, which we've already touched on a bit, but I want to recap sort of our, um, our tank board. In other words... Let's assume we do lose out these last couple weeks. What other things are we hoping for, right? We've, we've been talking the last couple of days about how the Packers win. We've gone down that road. I think I've done enough for you people. <laughs> now it's time for me and my people to uh, talk a little bit about um, the draft and, and what we need to see happen today in different games in order for us to get a higher draft pick. Because, again, even if we lose out, if every single team – that drafts higher than us loses, we don't move. Those teams have got to start winning games so that they get a better record than us. So I'm going to talk about that, and then I just want to spend a little bit of time talking about the draft, and this is where things could get a little bit carried away. Because I want to start talking specifics, because it's one thing to say, let's get a higher draft pick. It's another thing to say, okay, well, what does that mean? So I want to look at, you know, let's just say we get about top five. What are what are some actual potential prospects um, a little bit about these guys that I've learned over those last couple of weeks, my opinion of them, because I've got, you know, NFLBigBoard.com, but that's not my board. That's an aggregation, but I'm starting to develop my own. I'm not going to have a big board this year because I just, I don't even know how to go about doing it. I'm having a hard time just ranking uh, positionally, which is what I'm starting to do. I'm starting with defensive tackle and it's tough because you got different attributes. And I'm a little biased toward power. I like big, I like strong, I like mean, I like powerful people. But the NFL tends to prefer pass rushers. So my board is not going to be very reflective of um, you know, the draft and, and the preferences of NFL teams. But I'm, I'm trying. But again, you got to kind of weight it. You know, Let's just say you made up a scale and it's like, okay, this guy's a 10 out of 10 as far as just power. Then you got another guy who's a you know, 8 out of 10 as far as a pass rusher. Well, I mean, the 10 out of 10 guy's better in that one thing, but pass rusher's more important, so he'll pro- he probably should be higher on my board, but I don't want to. He's only an 8, and the other guy's a 10. So anyways, that's my struggle, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. It's my first year doing positional rankings. I don't know how far I'm going to get because I'm just so immersed in it, and it's <laughs> there's like 30 defensive tackles i got to look at. The other hard thing is, you get through about three of them, then you get to the fourth one, you, you have an opinion on them, but it's like, okay, who's he better than? And then you got to try to remember, you know, and you kind of misremember, so then you got to go back and watch again, like, oh, no, he was kind of good, or I don't know. I, I, don't, I thought I remembered him being better than what I'm seeing right now. Maybe I will put him a little lower. So, I, you know, I either have a lot of respect for people that do these boards or these guys are just kind of full of it because it's, it's such an impossible task. 
But anyways, I've been working on it. I've been watching a lot more film lately, and I want to just kind of give my impressions. But I also want to look at not just top five, but top ten. And if maybe if we win these last two games and end up going 15, 16, 17, whatever, who are we looking at out there? And I think that'll be about it. So um, a story, the draft, and then we'll go about our business. Before we get there, patreon.com if you'd like to support the channel. Uh, there's also a link in the description if you'd like a one-time donation. As I've said, please wait until after Christmas. I'm going to keep saying it because I want to get into the habit of saying what I say, but I would appreciate it if you would wait until the new year before you make any kind of monetary donations. Even if it's a couple bucks, just go out and get some cookies for Christmas morning or something. Those are pretty cheap. That's what I like to do. I get up, I mean, I get up early anyways, but I always liked, when I was a kid, you, you, we'd used to, like, me and my brothers would sleep on the floor in the basement, and then we'd eventually pass out. We'd try to stay up all night so we can, like, hear Santa walking around, but we'd always pass out at, like, 1 o'clock. Then we'd wake up at, like, 7 o'clock or 6 o'clock or 5 o'clock or whatever. We'd go run upstairs, and it was, like, magic. First of all, somebody ate our cookies and drank the milk, like, half of it, and that was kind of gross, like, dude, whatever. But, I mean, you had a lot of cookies, what can you say? But then you go upstairs and there's presents everywhere and it's like, whoa, it was like this magical transformation that took place. So I like to do that for my kids. I do that with our gifts too. You know, Santa does it and all that, but we do it too. So I get up early. We actually, last year we didn't even have a tree up. I put the tree up. I lit candles. I had Christmas music. We got the presents. I had cookies ready. It was awesome. So anyways, try that out, man. Just get up before the rest of the family bake some cookies, turn on some Christmas music, kind of set the mood, man, set that Christmas mood. And do not allow Bruce Springsteen's version of whatever, that nightmare of a song, to ever play during Christmas, because that will just ruin the whole day. That is the worst song I've ever heard in my life. Not, not worst Christmas, that is the worst song I've ever heard in my life. That's not even bad karaoke, it's worse than bad karaoke. It's like Uncle Frank had one too many and is belting it out just from the back of the bar laying on the floor. It's just the worst thing in the world. Just get the fireplace going, get some Nat King Cole and some cookies, and you're all set, man. Kids are going to love it. They'll remember it for the rest of their lives. Anyways, Packernet.com for all your news notes and information. Bruce Springsteen. How does that guy have a job? This is the worst. <laughs> Sounds like a wounded moose. NFLBigBoard.com if you'd like to uh, <laughs> turn your attention to the draft. We'll be doing that today, but, uh, you know, do your own investigations, man. If you want to do your own positional big board, real easy. Go to NFLBigBoard.com, scroll to the bottom of the list, type in a, you know, you can sort by each column. So you go to the bottom of the positions list, you type in DT if you want to see defensive tackle, edge if you want to see edge. Also make sure it's only going to show you the top 25. If you want to see all of them, go up to the top. There's a little drop-down menu. You can do just all or 50 or whatever. Start watching some tape, just start ranking them. Don't worry what everybody else says. It doesn't matter. You're not a GM. You're not going to ruin a franchise by getting it wrong. And it's kind of like fantasy football. If you just draft who the experts tell you to draft, are you really going to enjoy the season? Go out on a limb and say, I really like this guy. And then when he's a freak and goes to the Pro Bowl, you can be like, dude, I guess I know what I'm doing here. Maybe I should start a podcast and take Pack Daddy's job from him. That'd be cool. You know what? Just stay away from my website. All right, don't touch my stuff. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Seriously, though, Bruce Springsteen is the worst. What is he doing? If you would like to leave me a Christmas present, um, rating and review, you got Stitcher, iTunes, I don't know what else. There's other stuff. Figure it out. If you could do that for me, that would be greatly appreciated. 
and then uh, on YouTube, if you wouldn't mind checking it out. If you're interested in the draft, uh, Pack Daddy NFL, subscribe to the channel, hit the little bell icon. Um, I'm going to be doing team-specific mocks, and then I'm also going to be doing uh, once a week if I can manage, and I'm really falling behind here. I wanted it done yesterday. We had a Christmas party. going to try to do it today, but, you know, a little short on time. But once a week, getting these uh, first round mocks out, and then you know maybe a little bit later we'll start doing first, second, whatever. Wounded moose. What? I- what is that? I know it's not singing. I don't know what it is. I don't know much about singing. But one thing I do know about singing is it's very easy to tell when somebody can't do it. This dude can't do it. That was trash. All right, let's talk about my new favorite Green Bay Packer. I know I wasn't super nice because I kind of brushed it off because, you know, whatever. We, we get new guys, they fill out the bottom of the roster. It doesn't really matter very often. But I want to talk about Mr. Capri Bibbs. That's not his name. Let's try that again. Mr. Capri Bibbs. Thank you very much. So I was poking around and I noticed a little story and uh, I wanted to run it past you. See... Capri Bibb's mom apparently was a pretty big Packers fan. I don't know the exact backstory. I heard something about she had gone to a Packers game. Maybe that's all there is to it. I don't know if she grew up in Wisconsin. I don't know. But she's a big Packers fan. She did what my dad did when I grew up in Illinois. What I always say is why I'm a Packers fan. I said it's because my dad raised me right. His mom raised him right. So he grew up in, you know, if you read everything, it says he grew up in Chicago. He didn't grow up in Chicago. That's just something we say. When you grow up in the suburbs of Chicago, you say, yeah, I grew up in Chicago. No, you didn't. He grew up in in Harvey, I believe. And then I don't know if he moved to, he must have moved to Plainfield. I don't know. Maybe not. But either way, we're talking kind of south side suburbs. Plainfield is much further out west. I grew up more north side suburbs, Hanover Park, whatnot. But apparently this dude is die hard. He grew up down in Illinois with all those Bears fans wearing the Packers jacket, the Packers hat, the Packers backpack, and it brought back memories of me as a kid because I used to have to walk to school and I had the Packers jacket and the Packers backpack strutting my way in and I was strutting because that when I went to school it was like there was like a 10-year stretch where the Packers just didn't lose to the Bears. I mean it's kind of been that way ever since also, but the Bears just did not ever beat the Packers. And I'd go in and they'd start screaming, Packers stink, this, that, and the other, using a little bit stronger language, but, you know. And I'd just be smiling, taking my jacket off, hanging it up on the little little hook. But apparently Bibbs and I were doing, he's a little bit younger than I am, so he was doing a little bit later than I was. But then I came across this specific story, which is really awesome. I'm just going to read the beginning. This is how the, the uh, story starts from Wes Hodkowitz. Green Bay. Anticipation was building for Capri Bibbs leading up to the 2007 NFC Championship game, but there was still something missing for the 15-year-old Packers fan. With a trip to the Super Bowl on the line, the Packers hosted the New York Giants in one of the coldest playoff games in NFL history with a game-time temperature of minus 1 degree and wind chills of 23 below at Lambeau Field. Bibbs, back home in Chicago, wanted to be a part of the action. He wanted to feel what the players felt, so Bibbs did the craziest thing imaginable. Instead of putting on one of his three Brett Favre jerseys, Bibbs turned off the heat in his house, opened the windows, and sat shirtless in front of the living room television. 
According to Weather Underground, the temperature in Chicago on the night of January 20th, 2008 was 6 degrees. I had my whole house mad, Bibb said. I sat in front with no t-shirt, just my shorts on, and had the whole house freezing in the wintertime. I'm like, all right, if the Packers got to go through it, then I got to go through it. Just come on with the cold, go Packers. That's crazy, but that's awesome. So then the guy goes off to Washington, right? He's, he's kind of got a good thing going on, and he ends up getting cut. Somewhat devastating, but then the Packers call up, and they claim him. Shortly thereafter, he wants to call his mom. His mom ends up calling him, but uses that FaceTime thing so he, she could actually see him, and he's wearing his Packers gear. She doesn't know yet. So basically, the whole family freaked out, like, you got to be kidding me, you're a Packer now? So this dude is this dude's a freak. He's a diehard. He's one of us. And he made it, man. He's a Packer now. I don't know. I, I That gets me jacked up, man. It got me chills. I got chills like three times today. I think I'm just really excited about stuff. I don't know what the deal is. But that's cool, man. I mean, it, it's not hard for us to imagine growing up diehard Packer fans, but imagine growing up a diehard Packer fan, making it into the NFL, and then shortly after getting cut from your team, you get picked up by the Green Bay Packers, and now you're wearing green and gold and, and practicing with Aaron Rodgers and the rest of them. One thing I know apart from this guy being automatically one of my favorite Packers, even though he, good chance he might not stick around all that long. I hope he does. But this dude is going to ball out. If there's anybody who's going to give 155,000%, it's Mr. Capri Bibbs. So I, I, I cannot wait to see him play, and I hope he plays a lot. I know Jamal's probably going to get the primary load, but he's still got that toe injury, so maybe they want to kind of take it easy, right? Jamal's hurt. Let Bib- I mean, Bibbs has been playing all year. He's ready. They always say that running back is one of the easiest to get acclimated, right? Running is running, apparently. I don't know. But I, I, I would just, you know, I, I, I want everybody to just be safe and to be healthy and to get through with no injuries. And I want the Packers to lose as much as that's not fun to say. I just I want to have a better start next year. But now I've got a third thing that I want, and I want him to have an absolute career day. I'm talking 100 yards, at least 100 yards and a touchdown. It seems ridiculous the Packers' offense can't get going. He's not that elite of a player. The Jets' run defense is pretty solid. But, man, I'm, I'm telling you, this, this would be the story of all stories if this guy could go for 150-plus yards and two touchdowns. What an awesome day that would be for him and his family. And for all of us, in a way. I mean, it's just, you know, again, he's one of us, man. He's a diehard Packer fan, and he's there. That's crazy. I don't know. I think it's crazy. I can't wait to... Ru- I, I wish I had a... What up? See? Dance Party knows what's going on. DJ Galaxy wants to dance about it. I think we should all be dancing. Um, I wish I had a Bibbs Packer jersey, man. I'd wear it. But anyways, I just wanted to share that for those that haven't heard quite yet. Anyways, shifting our focus now to our draft order. There are four teams... Or excuse me, three teams that are 4-10 and ten teams. 4-10 and ten is the... Uh, is as bad a record as you can get and still, you know, end up drafting later than the Packers. In order to do so, these three teams need to win t- the next two games and the Packers need to lose their next two games. I know I saw something floating around on, on Facebook, like, here's how you get a top five pick. I don't know how they came up with it. It looked like they had f- only four teams that need to win one game and there's actually five and then this is the Jaguars need to win two. Well, yeah, but there's two other teams that could win two. So I, I don't know where they come up with that nonsense. It's a lot more simplistic than people make it. They need a better record than us, so that's it. So one of those three teams is the Jets, so if we lose, we don't have to worry about it. So technically, there's only there's six teams that need to lose. We need them to lose one game. Excuse me, win one game. Why is this? Oh, I do this every time. 
It just it twists my brain in a knot. We want to lose so that we can win in the draft and go higher, even though it's lower number. We want to be higher on the board. I, uh, like a one is higher than a nine, except math, you know. And then you want to win. So that we want other teams to win so that we can win, because then they lose if they win. Talk about overcomplicating things. My brain is thinking way too hard about this. It's pretty simplistic, actually. Anyways, the first of those teams, so we could have a, a double awesome day today if the 49ers win because the 49ers are playing the Bears. Now, this is one team that you wouldn't expect to win out the rest of the season, but the 49ers are going on a bit of a tear. They had the number one overall pick locked up. They only had two wins. They were on a three-game losing streak. Suddenly, they're 2-0 and the last two weeks. Now, unfortunately, they have to play the Bears and the Rams, but the Bears are susceptible to losing to garbage teams. The 49ers just beat the Broncos and the Seahawks, and the Seahawks are not exactly slouches. It's a divisional game, so you maybe could say it was kind of a fluke in that regard. But that's a big one. If they can find a way to do it, that would be fantastic. Then they got to find a way to beat the Rams, which is also going to be very, very unlikely. Uh, the, the one benefit, though, they are at home against the Bears, so the Bears are going to have to travel all the way out to San Fran. 49ers have their own home turf going on. Um, and then as far as the Rams, the Rams are on a two-game slide. Now, they got two very easy games, the 49ers being one of them, but it's not impossible. It's pretty much as close to impossible as you can get, but it's not, you know, it's not super impossible. Okay, it's kind of impossible. So the 49ers probably aren't going to win out, and um, on top of that, the Packers have to lose out. But, you know, one big step today would be to find a way to beat the Bears. Essentially, they won their last two games by their defense keeping really not great offenses down. Right, Seattle, as good as Russell Wilson can be, has his struggles. Um, not not so much his struggles. The offense has their struggles because they don't have very many offensive pieces. Offensive line is not good. They don't have the wide receivers they did. So in other words, the 49ers kept them to 23 points, and the offense was able to squeak out 26. Against the Broncos, who also don't have a very good offense, they kept the Broncos' offense down to 14. So if they can keep the Bears down which is possible. Again, they're at home. Bears are on the road. Trubisky isn't all that fantastic. you got to find a way to squeak out like 20-ish points, keep the Bears down to, you know, sub-20. There's a chance. I'm saying there's a chance. And then, of course, against the Rams, you got Goff, who the last two weeks has just been complete trash. I mean, forget Trubisky. Trubisky is basically Aaron Rodgers. Well, okay. Uh, He's Drew Brees compared to, um, you know, some people get whatever. Compared to Jared Goff, because Jared Goff has just been the worst quarterback the last two weeks. So, just hold out hope, man. Don't give up. That's a big game, and that's a 3 o'clock game, so we should be able to watch that one. We're going to be rooting extremely hard. Not only do I want the Bears to lose for a lot of reasons, one, because it's just the Bears, two, because I want to see the Bears start to, you know, you got to see some weaknesses in this team, because I don't want them to win a Super Bowl. I don't want them to win a single playoff game. I need to know that they can lose to really garbage teams and aren't going to go very far in the playoffs. So, 49ers... V Bears, huge game for me. Uh, again, the Jets, so, you know, obviously that'll take care of itself. The other team is the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, also not very likely. They are playing two games on the road. They have not won a road game since week one against the Giants. They've actually only won one game since, what, when is that, week uh, week four. <laughs> so they were they were three and one through four weeks. After week four, starting in week five, they've won one game. They lost four in a row, then they went into their bye, then they lost three in a row, beat the Colts six to nothing. In other words, they absolutely should have lost that game, but the Colts couldn't score a single point. 
So that basically doesn't even count as a win. Tennessee Titans proved that that was absolutely a joke and annihilated them 30-9. Washington Redskins, who are a decimated team, ended up beating the Jaguars 16-13 because this offense just can't score any points. However, you know, whatever. Maybe they beat the Dolphins. Almost impossible they beat the Houston Texans unless the Texans decide, probably rightly so, to bench some. And that's something else to consider. you got playoff teams here like the Rams. you got playoff teams like the Texans. These are teams that might start benching guys. they got playoff implications. You don't want to lose Watson. You don't want to lose DeAndre Hopkins. You want to win a Super Bowl, you better start benching your stars. So, again, real outside shot. The Jaguars are in absolute free-fall mode, so I don't see them winning. But we got something to root for. We have a rooting interest. The uh, Jaguars game is at noon, so we'll be keeping an eye on that as we watch the Packers game. Uh, The five teams that we need to win just one game in order to... uh, pass up in the rankings Atlanta Falcons Detroit Lions which Detroit will take care of itself if we lose out so we really don't need to worry about that maybe that's why it was just four because it said if we lose out then you don't have to worry about the Detroit Lions so that would maybe make sense but then you should still have the Jets right the Jets should still be one of those so it would still be five so they don't know what they're talking about but you got the Atlanta Falcons Detroit Lions New York Giants Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Buffalo Bills so unfortunately, the Atlanta Falcons are about as bad as you can get. I mean, they, they, since their bye in Week 8, they've only won two games, once against the Washington Redskins in Week 9. They went on a five-game losing streak and finally beat the Arizona Cardinals. Obviously, we beat them, which is saying a lot. The good news here, though, is Carolina is in absolute freefall mode themselves. They've got, what, six games they've lost in a row, and they're benching Cam Newton. There's a shot. They could absolutely win this game. If they don't, they've got to go up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Also not a very good team. Both of these are on the road. The Falcons are about as inept as you can find right now. But these are both winnable games, so we got to root for them to beat the Carolina Panthers. Something else to keep in mind, all of these teams that we say we just need to win one, these are teams we can still pass if we happen to win today. right? Assuming they lose out, or excuse me, win out, we have the opportunity to still pass them. Not very likely, but just something to keep in mind. So if we win and the uh, Buffalo Bills win, then we still need to just lose to the Lions. The Buffalo Bills win and we pass them. Does that make sense? Falcons are also a noon game, so we'll keep an eye on that one. Detroit and Minnesota, another kind of double whammy. Again, Detroit doesn't really matter if we lose out. However, still would be nice to kind of take care of this right now. Let Detroit pass us up. Plus, they're playing Minnesota, so again... Minnesota losing would just make me extremely happy. I would love nothing more than the Minnesota Vikings to miss the playoffs because I just don't want them to go on a run and have any success and possibly win a Super Bowl. Plus, you know, missing the playoffs is just funny. Like, haha, <laughs> you're not good either. Not like a team that's seven six and one has a lot to brag about as it is. But uh, yeah, I'd love to see the Detroit Lions pull out a win here. Not really banking on it. It's so funny, every time I look at these teams and it's like, oh, they're on a losing streak except they beat one team, and that team is always the Cardinals. (laughs) Which, by the way, we couldn't quite beat the Cardinals, which is just, just crazy. The Cardinals lost to the Falcons, who are trash. They lost to the Lions, who are trash. They lost to the Raiders, who are trash. They beat the Packers, though. That's their one. Since their bye week, they are 1-5, and and their one was the Packers in Lambeau. So, that's awesome. Another noon game, we got the New York Giants and the Indianapolis Colts. I think this is winnable for the Giants. Giants have been going on a little bit of a run. They've got a pretty tough schedule coming up. Uh, they've got the Colts, who are kind of putting together something pretty special. you got the Cowboys, who are kind of up and down, but they've definitely got... I mean, the better team is not going to be the Giants. 
Again, that's kind of the case when you have teams with bad records. But Giants are kind of going on a little bit of a run. They were 1-7 when they went into their bye. They came out of their bye. They're 4-2. and two. They beat the 49ers, the Bucks, the Bears, the Redskins. They lost to the Eagles and the Titans. We just need them to pull off one more win. Colts and or the Cowboys would be fantastic. And I, think I actually think they're going to do it. As good as they're playing, and they're putting up some serious points on offense. Well, they got shut out by Tennessee, which isn't good. But they put up 40 on the Redskins, 30 on the Bears, 38 on the Bucks, 27 on the 49ers, 22 on the Eagles. Defense also hasn't been that bad as of, you know, week 12-ish or so, 25-27. The last two weeks, 16-17. So if not for an offensive collapse, which got zero points against the Titans, they absolutely would have obliterated the Titans because the defense held them to 17 points. They absolutely should have won that game, but, you know, they didn't. I think they'll get their one. That is unless that shutout just absolutely threw them into a tailspin. I don't know. We'll see. Another team that needs to beat Dallas this week, Tampa Bay. Be great if Tampa or if Dallas just goes on a, a losing streak and loses their last two, because then we got two people that just uh, propelled ahead of us. But Tampa's got Dallas and the Falcons, so I guess the good thing here is you got the Falcons and Tampa. So one of these teams has to win a game. Ideally, one of them wins this week, and the the other one wins next week. But uh, either way, we've got at least one team. If we lose out, that's going to leapfrog us, and and included in that is the Lions. So that's two teams if we lose out. Then the Jets also, if we lose out, have one win. They just got to win one more. So some of this stuff is going to kind of take care of itself, which is nice. But big game. We need Tampa Bay to beat the Dallas Cowboys. And again, if, if the Falcons and Tampa Bay win this week, we don't have to worry about anything else. The final team is the Buffalo Bills. One of the few AFC teams because NFC is just complete garbage. But they've got a noon game against the Patriots, so that's not looking too hot. But then they also have a Miami Dolphins matchup uh, in Week 17. So... Outside shot at a at a uh, a uh, at an upset. That's the word against the Patriots. Otherwise, we just need them to beat the Miami Dolphins in Week 17. I wouldn't hold my breath on this being an upset against the Patriots, however, especially in Foxborough. So, anyways, those are the games that uh, you're going to want to keep an eye on. Either way, even if you're rooting for the Packers to win, there's no reason to root for those teams also to win. It's still going to help us if those teams lose. Win, win, win is the thing that we need. We don't want them to lose. We want them to win. Brain. Why is my brain so dumb? All right, let's let's dig in a little bit and talk about some of these prospects. I've done it in the past. I haven't really done it too heavily. You know a lot of the names, but not quite all of them, and then I just want to kind of go over what I know as far as what I've been hearing about certain things and who's going to do this, that, or the other. First of all, Nick Bosa is pretty much out of the conversation, I would assume. Even if we're at five, you got to understand, even if we want to and are willing to trade up, that doesn't mean that you know we, we don't get to just say, it's not like going to the store and saying this is what the value is and then you just pay it. Like two firsts and next year's first is enough and we're willing to do it and we just go up to the cash register and just pay it. All right, the team that has the number one pick has to say, okay, I'll take that instead of Nick Bosa. And the fact of the matter is most of these teams really high up, first of all, don't need quarterbacks. Second of all, do need Nick Bosa. So they're going to get a lot of phone calls. They might get, I mean, who knows? The, the quarterback hype could heat up, but you're going to have teams that want to go up and get Nick Bosa. You might have teams that want to go up and get a quarterback. The point is, though, the number one team is probably going to just say, no, thank you, turn in the card for Nick Bosa, and that'll be the end of that. I don't know that. We'll see what happens. But I don't think anyone is going to be trading that first pick. I think the first pick is going to be whoever the first team is, and I believe they're going to take Nick Bosa. Now, beyond that, I think there's some potential. I think Ed Oliver, uh, although he's been the solid number two for a very long time, he is sliding a little bit. you got people that are concerned about his size. Uh, you know, if you look at the more recent news about him, Pro Football Focus has kind of pointed out that the hype doesn't really match the production. 
Um, you know, he hasn't produced quite as well as you would expect considering all the hype. So you you look at the size, you look at the lack of production, you look at the fact that he plays for Houston, right? He's not an Alabama guy or anything. And I think there's some general concern that might have some people saying, okay, maybe quarterback, maybe Quinnen, maybe, you know, Jonah Williams, the tackle, maybe another pass rusher, who knows? But if we're picking at five, I would say Ed Oliver's in striking range. Not only could we potentially trade up to get him, he could actually fall to five. At this point, I don't think he falls, but based on his trajectory, his arrow's pointing down. You know, it could bounce back up. But things move a lot, especially when the season ends. You're going to see this board just get flipped on its head. So seeing Oliver fall out of the top five, I've, I've got boards right now that have him outside of the top ten. I don't necessarily agree with that personally. I love Ed Oliver, but I'm just telling you. He's, he's within range, absolutely. Next on the list is Quinnen. I actually think right now if you were to take a poll of most people, they would have Quinnen above Ed Oliver. That's not the case with my particular board, but I think my board is going to be a little bit slow to come around because you have some sites that haven't updated yet, and then as they do, you start to see these bumps. Quinnen already went from, like, if you look over at the side, the average rank. He's currently at 5, Ed Oliver's at 3. You know, it used to be Ed Oliver was like 2.5 and Quinnen was like 11. So Quinnen's just flying up, Ed Oliver's slowly trickling down so Quinnen's going to be a reach that (coughs) excuse me that came out of nowhere dust might just stab me in the throat that was rude the thing that's interesting about not just Quinnen but defensive tackles in general is it's hard to say that anybody's going to trade up to take a defensive tackle because there's so many I actually think that the value of defensive tackle is going to fall you're going to get like mid-round talent defensive tackles are going to fall down to the you know end of the first just because you get this bottleneck thing. So it's going to be tough, especially for the Packers. You've got two picks. If you're at five, do you want to trade up to two or three to get Quinnen Williams? I mean, you can stay where you're at and get, I mean, there's just, there's a ton of names that you could get. You know, Jonah Williams, a tackle. You know, you got other defensive tackles like Jeffrey Simmons, who's going to be there. You got safety Deontay Thompson. You got linebacker Devin White. I mean, and then at the end of the round, you've got, you know, there's going to be defensive tackles just sitting there waiting if you really want a defensive tackle. So defensive tackles, a good thing is the value will fall. I don't know about Ed Oliver or Quinnen Williams. I think they're just kind of those special kinds of players that could just fly off the board before you get to five. But beyond that, you start you might start to see some value fall, and I think you'll get some good value at defensive tackle. If your team needs that late in the, in the round, you'll see some probably slip into the second round. So if Ed Oliver or Quinnen Williams or one of these guys does fall to the Packers, I wouldn't be surprised if they pull the trigger on them, but I don't see them trading up to go get them, if that makes sense. Number four on my board, I have uh, cornerback Greedy Williams. Uh, I don't think he's going to be top five. I don't know if he's even going to be top ten by the time this thing is all done. A lot of the hype is, a lot of the people talking are very anti-Greedy Williams and saying a lot of the hype about him is just because he's built differently. He's got a really good build. Some of these other guys, I think the production is a little bit higher. I think a lot of the scouts are saying they like some of these other guys a little bit better. So I think Greedy's going to fall a little bit, but um, depending on where we draft... You know, I know a lot of Packers fans will throw a fit if we get a cornerback. I'm just saying, I don't know that it doesn't happen. Probably won't happen, but either way, I I wouldn't expect Reedy Williams to be top five. Jonah Williams is definitely possible. Whether we're drafting at five to ten, he could be anywhere in that range. He could fall out of there. We've we've seen a lot of guys that are considered top. I mean, he might not even be the top tackle taken by the time all is said and done. But uh, it's definitely possible. I know a lot of people probably it's not going to be their favorite thing. You want to see a freak pass rusher. We want to see, you know, whatever. I want to see Ed Oliver. I want to see Quinnen Williams. I want to see Josh Allen. I want to see whoever. Deontay Thompson, the safety. I want to see some big, impactful, freakish defensive player. And we end up getting a tackle that, you know, I don't know. 
replaces another tackle that's actually really good. So we just have like somebody that's almost as good as Brian Balaga, and the team doesn't really upgrade. It's just kind of preventing a disaster from happening. And that's never fun, but it's kind of just the responsible adult thing to do, I guess. Jeffrey Simmons, I mentioned a little while ago. This is a guy that you haven't heard about, but absolutely you should. Go to NFLBigBoard.com, check out his film, check out his highlights. He's he's the big guy of the group. Ed Oliver, Quinnen Williams actually isn't even that big. Ed Oliver's considered small at about 280. Quinnen Williams I saw listed at 285. Jeffrey Simmons is 300 pounds. He's he's big, he's tall, he's long. I mean, he, he's, he's just, he's got a little bit of everything. I mean, he's taking on double blocks, d- double blocks. He's taking on those double blocks, the double teams, like a champ. I mean, he just digs his heels in and he's not moving. I mean, he, he, just the power when he's one-on-one, he just blows people straight back. When he's taking double teams, he just, he can handle it. He can shed blocks. He's a really good pass rusher. He's got some speed. He's got pass rush moves. I mean, he's, just, he's got the whole thing. It's the whole package with him. I think he's one of those pretty rare guys that's going to be really good against the run and a pretty quality addition as a pass rusher as well. Ed Oliver, I'm not sure what he gives you in the run game quite as much. Quinnen Williams, I think maybe could also be that way with uh, Jeffrey Simmons. But Jeffrey Simmons is just somebody nobody's really talking about. I'd be shocked if he's not top 10. The guy's just an absolute monster. And he's he's safer, right? 300 pounds, and he's got all this stuff. If he tests well at the combine, I mean, it's just... He's not going to go higher than Quinn and Williams, but let me just say, if he ends up getting drafted higher than Ed Oliver, I'm not going to f- be super-duper surprised. Uh, number seven, Cleveland Furl. Apparently that's how you say his name now. I. It's weird because he's always been considered a top ten pass rusher, and you would think a top ten and at times top five pass rusher would get a ton more hype. He's getting none, and when I watch him play, I don't really get all that jacked up about him. Beyond that, he's primarily playing defensive end, although he does stand up at times. He's 6'5", 260, he'd, he'd slide in as an outside linebacker, no problem. I just, I don't know. I just, I don't really care. I would trust the Packers and Gutekunst if they decided to pull the trigger on him, that they're seeing something I'm just not. But I See, I'm kind of the opposite. I say I like the big, strong linebackers, big, strong defensive tackles. With pass rushers, I just want to see speed and bend. Like, fire off and bend around the corner and get to the quarterback. He, he just, he's not really that guy. He's just a big, powerful guy. He's, he reminds me of Nick Perry. Right, big and strong. He gets his long arms in the guy's chest, and he holds the edge, and he can shed a block and make a tackle if you try to go around the edge. But I don't see him as a real elite pass rusher. He did get 10 sacks this year. He had 9.5 last year, so obviously he's able to find a way to get to the quarterback. But most of the time, when I watch him, it's just like he's just lumbering after him. I just, I don't know. It just makes me nervous about the NFL, right? I mean, if you, if you can't beat him around the outside, we're just waiting for you to annihilate the tackle and, and you know, I don't know. I, he just, he doesn't have that top-end athleticism that kind of is needed if you're going to be, you know, a double-digit sack guy in the NFL. And if you're drafted in the top 10, I kind of expect you to be a double-digit guy. Maybe you can do it, maybe you can't, I don't know. Beyond that, Deontay Thompson, Alabama's always got that one safety. That they've produced a lot of really good safeties over the years. There's always a ton of hype, right? There's always going to be one. It's usually an Alabama guy. Maybe there's one or two, but uh, this is the guy. This is this is the big hype guy. There's no question that Deontay Thompson is an option for the Packers. Uh, I think based on where he's at and based on the value of safeties, it's one of those kind of like linebacker. Even though safety is probably a little bit more important than linebacker, it's not a super important position. But if Deontay Thompson can truly prove that he's a sideline to sideline guy, he could go very high. But whether the Packers are drafting from between 5 and 10, I would assume that's kind of Deontay Thompson's range. Um, yeah, I'd, scouting safeties is really tough. I, I, don't, I haven't really seen a ton that I'm a huge fan of. I really like Derwin. 
wasn't a super big fan of Minka Fitzpatrick, but I, I don't know. It's, it's just tough to tell. I've watched a little bit of Deontay Thompson. It's just kind of, you know, whatever. I don't really see an incredible amount of range that people are talking about. I mean, I, he plays a lot of single high, and they throw out to the boundary guy, and he's trailing behind. I mean, it looks just like the Packers, where you got a safety who's kind of almost there, but not there enough. Right, He's close enough that he can maybe make a tackle after the catch, but he's, he's not getting to the sideline in time to break up the path. He's, he's decent, I guess, as a tackler. I've seen him take some bad angles. I've seen him kind of lazily kind of chase after people, kind of like HaHa did, you know, when it's, you know, there's other people around, so I don't really need to put in that much effort, so I'm just going to kind of jog over that way. So, I don't know. Again, I'm not a scout. I'm just, whenever I see that people are really, really, really high ranking, like Cleland Furl and, and Deontay Thompson, I want to see something special, and I'm, I don't know, it just kind of looks like a safety to me. Devin White I've got next on the board. It's kind of an interesting discussion to have as far as, you know, Packers fans are concerned. If you look at the needs that we have, you know, it's not as big a need as um, safety is. It's not as big a need of ed- as edge rusher is. I look at it actually pretty similar to defensive tackle and corner. Corner, obviously, we have more depth. So maybe defensive tackle. Where, where You've kind of got guys, especially if we keep Jake Ryan. Like, we've got our two guys. And we've got depth that isn't very good behind them. Plus, you've got younger guys like Oren Burks that you hope can develop. But what is the benefit to this defense to have a guy like Devin White? A, a powerful, fast enforcer that can also play coverage. You know, what does that do for the defense as a whole? How does that help the coverage unit? How does that help us to be able to play more nickel and more dime because he can handle it in the run game? Uh, to be able to take care of guys like Tariq Cohen out of the backfield and, and to be able to cover sideline to sideline in those kind of capacities. Not just an upgrade to linebacker, but how does it help the defense overall? And do you want to even bother doing that when, you know, linebacker isn't as important of a position and you've got edge rushers and you've got safeties and everything else available? Not to mention offensive needs, but um, I like Devin White. He's an impressive guy. It's pretty easy to see. He's kind of like, you know, certain guys you can just see it. Like, you, you know why they're really highly touted. I think Josh Allen is easy to see. Derwin James last year was really easy to see. You don't need to be a uh, a top-tier scout to figure out what ex- exactly it is that people like about him. But you go check out Devin White, and as much as it's like, oh, we shouldn't get a linebacker, you watch him, and it's like, oh, I'd love to have something like that on our team. <laughs> something else that's pretty interesting to talk about here is the quarterback situation. Um, I think Haskins is a quarterback that hasn't officially declared. He said he's going to make that decision after the Rolls Bowl. We obviously really want him to. We want as many talented quarterbacks to be in this draft class as possible, and, and hopefully Herbert and uh, Haskins are the two quarterbacks, and, and whoever else, I don't care whoever it is, we want as many talented quarterbacks to be in this draft class as possible so that they can get drafted ahead of us and push some of the talent down to us. Um, that's pretty much it as far as top 10. I got Justin Herbert at 10. We're obviously not taking a quarterback. After that, we're starting to have some other conversations. This is kind of where we're looking at Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen could slide into the top 10. It's possible. In fact, at this point, I think a lot of people are expecting it because he's extremely, you know, talented. He's built well. The production is there. Everything's there that you would need from an edge rusher. There's also Raekwon Davis. I'm a real big fan of him. He's he's one of those guys that's probably going to help you more in the run game than in the pass game, which is probably why some people aren't as big of a fan. But big, giant Alabama guy. I don't know that it's a super great fit for the team. I mean, I'll, I'll take a monster anytime you can get a monster. But I think we get more production out of Daniels and uh, Kenny Clark in the run game. It'd be nice to get a guy that can get you know, several sacks in a season. I mean, if we're drafting top 10 and get a defensive tackle, is it too greedy to say I'd like 8, 9, 10 sacks from a defensive tackle? I don't feel like that's being too greedy. But Raekwon Davis is an absolute beast. I really like him a lot. Mr. Bear Paws. I got Josh Allen at 13. That's everybody, most Packer fans' favorite number one pick is Josh Allen. And for good reason. It's a, it's a big need. 
super talented. He's, he's incredible against the pass as well. Dropping him into coverage is just awesome. I don't know how often we'd be doing it because we need somebody to rush the passer, and he's pretty much all we would have next year. But, um, yeah, Mike Patton, assuming he's our defensive coordinator, would absolutely love a guy like Josh Allen on the team. Byron Murphy, another cornerback, another guy out of Washington. Again, I'm open to that discussion because I'm not as enamored with our corners as a lot of other people are. I know there's potential for development, but we've played this game how many times now? I, I went on a big rant yesterday about development and how there hasn't been any. I'm not expecting development. I expect a development from Randall. I expect a development from Rollins. I expect a development from Kevin King. I always expect development. I almost never get it. So if this is what we have, we have one good corner on this team. And again, I know a lot of people are upset because they think Kevin King is really good. He's not. He just isn't. He hasn't been. He's got the tools. And again, if we're talking about a go route and a jump ball, I'll take Kevin King over just about any corner in the NFL. But that's not. that doesn't make you an NFL corner. That makes you tall and fast with long arms. If that's all you needed to do, we could just go to the, you know, look at college basketball players and make them, make them corners. Right? Find me a, a six foot seven, long arm basketball player that can run fast. I'll take that guy. So yeah, I'm open to corner. I think a lot of Packers fans would flip out. I wouldn't. If you got Jair and another guy that's even better than Jair, like Byron Murphy, like DeAndre Baker, like Greedy Williams, let's just say they're better than Jair. I'm not opposed to that. I'm not opposed to two lockdown corners any more than I'm opposed to two elite edge rushers. I think that's a great thing to have. And a lot of times I do that in my mock drafts. They already got one really good corner. Give them two. They got one, you know, the, the Broncos. I thought that was a great addition, getting another edge rusher on the opposite side of Von Miller. And it was. It was an awesome decision. They now have two double-digit sack guys on their team. How in the world could anybody possibly complain about that? I'm not complaining about that. Nobody should complain about that. At 15, we got Ja'Kai Polite, another edge rusher out of Florida. I like Ja'Kai as well. He's another guy you should definitely check out. He's kind of he's, he's a rising star a little bit. I'm not sure how much higher he's going to get than 15, but he's kind of flown up. He was a second-round guy not too long ago. He's at 15. I, I actually wouldn't expect him to get even to stay at 15. I would kind of expect him to fall a little bit, but whatever. Um, somewhere between 10 and 20 is probably going to be Ja'Kai Polite. 16, Noah Fant, the tight end out of Iowa. I actually mocked him to the Packers in my last seven-round mock draft, kind of just for fun, but also because I thought it was an interesting discussion to have. We've got four tight ends. One of them is going to stay and is very young, but isn't all that great. Three of them are old and not good, one of which is old, not good, and way overpaid. I wouldn't mind getting rid of all three, and if we draft Noah Fant, we can get rid of all three. On top of that, we would have the most athletic tight end we've ever had on this team, not that that means anything. We still need to find a way to utilize tight ends, which apparently we just don't know how to do. But maybe the new head coach will figure out how to do it. I don't know. But it fills a need at tight end. It also helps with the receiving group, right? Whether you like our receivers or not, it doesn't matter. This is a tight end. It's a different position. Even though he's a receiving tight end, he's not a wide receiver. It's still different. Uh, Mac Wilson, I'm probably going to skip. I'm about 90% sure, 95% sure he's going back to Alabama. No idea why. He's an absolute freak. He should come out and get the money, but whatever. People do what they do. Brian Burns, I really, really like as an edge rusher. Smaller guy. I've talked about him a little bit. It's a pretty good class, isn't it? I mean, I'm, I'm, everything I'm talking about is stuff that we could absolutely use, including cornerback. Like, I, I don't think I've said anybody that I dislike. Like, if we got Nick Bosa, I'd be Jack. If we got Ed Oliver, I'd be Jack. If we got Quinnen, I'd be Jack. If we got Greedy, obviously not super high, but I'd, I'd be, you know, if we got him at 15, 16, whatever, I'd be super excited about it. Jonah Williams, I don't know if I'd be excited, but it would be a good move, and I'd be, you know, satisfied to some degree. Jeffrey Simmons, I'd be super excited. Cleveland Farrell, 
you know, I'd be worried that he's going to be a bust, but still excited. Deontay Thompson, that'd be awesome. Devin White, that'd be awesome. Not sure how I feel about Rashawn Gary, but Raekwon Davis, I'd be super excited. Josh Allen, I'd be excited. Byron Murphy, I'd be excited. Ja'Kai Polite, I'd be excited. Noah Fant, I'd be excited. Mac Wilson, if he comes out, I'd be excited. The linebacker out of Alabama. Brian Burns, edge rusher out of Florida State. I mean, he's just... He's he's just an incredible football player. He's undersized. I get that. He needs to kind of bulk up a little bit, put on some more mass. But I mean, you, you just talk about. I mean, he's he's my kind of guy. I, I mentioned guys that are that are bursty and bendy. That's my guy right there. That's why I like him. Is he as good as Josh Allen? No, probably not. Especially if you factor in the size. But even just as a pass rusher, no, probably not. But as just a pure go get the quarterback pass rusher, I mean, he's he's got to be at near the top. So I'd be pretty excited. Obviously a little worried. The, the floor with a guy like Brian Burns is pretty low, but uh, really high upside. DeAndre Baker at cornerback at 19 I think would be another good addition. Some people, quite a few people think DeAndre is the best corner in this class. Um, wasn't actually thought to be a super top-heavy cornerback class, but so far there's there's quite a few crowding. The one guy, the first guy here that I don't like, and we're at 20, this is kind of getting outside of where we're going to be drafting, but Montez Sweat, I've never understood it. I've been playing around on Facebook a little bit, talking to some people. I don't know anybody that likes Montez Sweat. I have no idea. One thing I'd like to start doing is interviewing some of these guys who created the boards that I use to get their input. I'd love for somebody to explain to me why Montez Sweat is in a a first-round prospect, because I see nothing from him. Nothing. I mean, he's he's Cleveland Farrell without the production. I just... Actually, I lied. It's, it's that That's actually probably what it is. It is the production. I mean, I don't see the speed. I don't see the bend. I don't see the motor. I don't even see the power. But he's managing to get double-digit sacks the last two years. So that that's exactly why he's high. That explains... I'm still going to interview somebody and ask him why, because I want them to explain it to me. But I want them to say something other than production, because I don't get it. But you don't get... I mean, it, he's only played two years. In both years, he had 10.5, and then the next this year he had 11.5. I mean, I guess you can't be a garbage pass rusher and get double-digit sacks every single year. And by the way, 11.5 sacks in 12 games, that's really impressive. So whatever, I'd still be upset if we got him, but I would understand it. Outside of that, they've got a couple wide receivers, quite a few that are crowding at the end of the first round. i got DK Metcalf, Nikhil Harry, Kelvin Harmon, A.J. Brown. Um, at this point, they're going to be a little too far back. We could be looking at that at our second pick. Also, uh, potential that they move up a little bit. Most of these guys are pretty big big bad dudes right boundary guys aj brown is the one slot guy but even he's pretty big 6 225 i want to say he's, he's just he's a big guy so definitely a lot of potential if we want to go offense with our second pick or possibly our first i don't think that'll happen but if these guys slide if you know if we're picking at 17 and and Nikhil harry ends up moving up a little bit we could end up getting them a lot more defensive tackles i actually just watched one of the guys i only i've only watched four defensive tackles one of them was jerry tillery I said I didn't really understand it back when I was just kind of watching highlights. He wasn't my favorite, but I actually really like Jerry Tillery. He would be a guy, if we got him at the end of the first round, I would not be upset at all. Potential for some other uh, offensive linemen also. Greg Little, offensive tackle, and Tyler Biotish out of Wisconsin. He's a center, but maybe if he could play guard, that's an option. That'd be kind of cool. So bottom line is a lot of people are saying this is not a good draft class. I think what they mean by that, and I could be wrong is that everybody wants there to be a lot of quarterbacks. In other words, nobody likes it because what's really popular in this draft class is defensive tackles. It's not that the defensive tackles aren't talented. It's not that there aren't people worthy of first-round grades. That I don't believe that's what they're saying. I think they're looking at it and going, where's like the really cool flash? Where's all the quarterbacks? There aren't any. This, this stinks. This is not fun. But as a Packer fan, I hate when there's a lot of quarterbacks in the draft. I, I mean, I like it because it pushes talent down, but it's like, 
I'm trying to come up with five names that I like. I'm telling you right now, man, there's so many names here. There's so many guys. And I, I don't know, you know, how, how much I'm going to like who and who I'm going to like at the end of all this, but just off the cuff, I mean, there's, there's th- this, this first round, having two first round picks this year is awesome for the Packers. It's all defense. And then at the back of the first half, you've got a good, good mix of defensive tackle, maybe some edge rusher, some offensive line, some wide receiver. I mean, this is just built for the Packers. Like, primary need is edge rusher. There's a bunch of them up there. Secondary need, maybe you look at offensive line, wide receiver, maybe an additional defensive tackle if you can rush the passer. All that stuff is at the back half of the first round, which is exactly where the Packers are going to be drafting with the second pick. I mean, if, if Gutekunst could have built his own board based on talent and where they fought, I mean, this is what it would look like. So I'm pretty excited. We're going to be monitoring. The, I, every week I come out with a new board. Sometimes I do twice a week if I just can't help myself. But next week there'll be another reshuffling, and um, I'm, I'm very excited. Also curious to hear your opinions. I'd love it if you guys would check out NFLBigBoard.com, watch some of the film, maybe create your own board and send it to me. Just let me know, you know, whether it's top five, top ten of a particular position. If you want to watch edge rushers, cornerbacks, quarterbacks, I don't care. Just let me know what you think. Let me know who you think would be a good fit for the Packers. Um, be more than happy to have that conversation. But anyways, I'm going to leave it at that. That's kind of what we're looking at. Again, as things get later... We're going to be shifting our focus to the draft a little bit more. I'm not going to be doing it every day, but this is kind of, I mean, this and the new coaching staff is kind of the news now. I mean, we're not going into the playoffs. You know, should Aaron Rodgers play is is kind of an interesting topic, but, you know, he's going to play. Hopefully he doesn't get hurt. The implications for the future of the franchise, though, assuming Aaron Rodgers and none of these guys get devastatingly injured, there just isn't much to talk about. So, anyways, you folks enjoy your uh, Sunday today. We'll talk to you tomorrow. I'll be recording the podcast probably later today with my instant reactions. Hopefully, it will be a very calm kind of a thing because everything will go nice and smooth. Capri Bibbs will have 200 yards, but we'll still lose barely, and not one single person will be injured. And then uh, they'll make an announcement that Rodgers and pretty much the entire team will not be playing next week, and we basically forfeit. And it's going to be a great day. Not to mention every single team that's drafting higher than us is going to win. So enjoy your day. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Uh, Bye-bye.